Good morning. I'm glad to be here, and I'm absolutely delighted that I have the opportunity to preach today. Um, I want to say thank you to your church. I want to say thank you because your church has a commitment to missions. Not just Molly. I was able to be here yesterday with you guys as you talked about ministering in many different parts of the world. And I want to say thank you for not being content to keep it all to yourselves. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the greatest news to ever be heard on this earth, is for all people. And thank you for being part of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, with that said, I want to get right into the message today. And I want you to know it's a very non-traditional Christmas text. It's not what you would normally think of when you go to church in the month of December. I'd like to talk to you today from a passage out of Psalms chapter 46. And if you would go ahead and turn there, or I believe it will be on the screen here in just a moment. But this is a passage of scripture that Martin Luther, who was the, the father of the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther took this text... And he took it to heart because, you see, Martin Luther had been called to give an account of his teachings to a group of leaders and elders of the medieval church. The accusations against him was heresy. And as Martin Luther had to go before these people and give account of his teachings, at stake was his life. If found guilty of heresy, he could have been burned at the stake. And it is said that as Martin Luther opened the doors to go into this meeting place where these people were going to examine him and evaluate whether he lived or died, that he walked through the doors singing, A mighty fortress is our God. His bulwarks never fail. It was a resounding song about confidence that God is our refuge and our strength. A song that God is our safety. And it was based on Psalms chapter 46. So I'd like to read this text and then examine it some today in light of the Christmas season. The scripture says, For the director of music of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in times of trouble. Let me get there to let me read it here from my text. So we keep up. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid. Though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the seas, though its waters roar and foam, And the mountains quake with its turmoil. There is a river. Its streams delight the city of God. The holy, its streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. Nations rage. Kingdoms topple. The earth melts when he lifts his voice. The Lord of hosts is with us. 
the God of Jacob, is our stronghold. Come and see the works of the Lord, who brings devastation on the earth. He makes war cease throughout the earth. He shatters bows and cuts to pieces, cuts spears to pieces, and he burns up the chariots. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as we have read this, your word, we pray that it would speak to our hearts and that you would use it to make us more like you to live lives more honoring and pleasing to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when I look at this particular uh, text, this passage of Scripture, it very easily divides itself up into three little small sections. The first section, verses 1 through 3, is simply a statement that God is our refuge. And it really doesn't matter what kind of natural disaster comes against us. Just about everything that could come against us is mentioned. Though the earth should tremble, though the mountains fall into the sea, though the waters roar, God is our strength and our refuge. A great statement of confidence in God. If you look at the next three verses, verse 4 through 7, I'd like to say that the theme of that is that it says there that the city doesn't topple Because God is in the city. And if you think about it, it's not the fortified walls. It's not the structures that were built by the hands of men that keeps that city from falling. Though armies come against it. It is the God of Jacob, the most high God, in the midst of the city that causes it to stand no matter what comes against it. And then as we move to the third section, the tone of the text changes just a little bit. It says, come and see the works of the Lord. It's an invitation. You, come and see the works of the Lord, who brings desolations upon the earth, who can cause peace and destroy the armies and the weapons of war. Come and behold the works of God. Be still and know that I am God. Now, I've probably preached long enough now that some of you are probably wondering, what does this have to do with Christmas? What does this text have to do with Christmas? I mean, it's December for crying out loud. When you come to church in December, we talk about the birth of Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you that we are the products of our backgrounds of the experiences of our life. They shape and form who we are and how we think. And I want you to know that I have been in West Africa 13, well, 11 of the last 13 Decembers I have spent in West Africa. And I want you to know that December in West Africa is not like December in these United States. It's just not the same. 
We don't have snow or cold weather. It's hot and dry. What we get significant accumulation, it's of dust and dirt from the Sahara Desert. When we talk about Christmas, living among some of the poorest people in the world, they're not thinking about Christmas presents and what they're going to give their children or their grandkids. They're thinking about, what am I going to eat tonight or tomorrow? And if you go far enough and you look long enough in West Africa, you can find believers in Jesus Christ. And when you find them, what you will find is that they are people who aren't concerned with Christmas the way we are. They are concerned about celebrating Jesus Christ. And they will take one day and one night and they will dance. They will dance like you couldn't imagine. And they will sing. And they will pray. And they will laugh. And they will preach about the salvation that came to mankind through the birth of Jesus Christ. A very simple and true celebration of Christmas. God has gifted me in some respects to give me a new perspective on my own culture, the American culture. Because when I come back, I have new eyes. I see it in a fresh way. And what I see is that Christmas could easily be lost in all the details of the Decembers that we live. I had to learn new words, new English words, words like Black Friday and doorbusters. These are the events that kick off the Christmas season here in the United States. Shocking to me to find out how serious people take these things. I talked to a 70-year-old man who was in Best Buy at 3.20 a.m., on Black Friday, trying to get the merchandise he wanted. I read with shock about people knocking doors off of stores to get in to get a deal. And this starts Christmas? I don't understand. You see, we in America, we have many traditions And we spend a lot of time and effort trying to fulfill all the traditions we've built into our lives. And I just want you to know, Susan and I, we struggle with it too. We've had, we've had Christmas musicals at church and all the practice that go along with that. We've had opportunities to go see Christmas lights. My children have never seen. We've had opportunities to do many different things. But where does the time go? And then you couple that with the fact that we want to see our families. My mom and dad and my sisters. And Susan's mom and dad and her sister. How do we see everyone we want to see when they live thousands of miles apart and spend special holiday time with them? Do you guys have any stresses like that in your life? How do you get it all done? And you see what happens when we begin to look at all of these activities, we begin to run from one thing to the next, to the next, 
trying to get everything done on our list that Christmas means to us. We never stop. We're moving all the time. And it's like we're afraid if we do stop, we're going to miss something. And we're not going to get everything done. And that is wrong. Not that the, not that the Christmas carols or the Christmas tree or visiting family or giving gifts is wrong. But it's wrong that we never stop and slow down. So this morning, what does Psalms 46 have to do with Christmas? It is an invitation to you and to me to come and behold the works of the Lord, the God who became flesh, the God who took upon himself a human form, who left the glories of heaven, who came to this earth and walked and lived among men and died for the salvation of the world. It is an opportunity for you and I to be filled with awe and wonder that God should love me enough to die for me. The invitation is there. Come and see the works of the Lord. Now, that is an invitation that is not just given by God to us. That is an invitation that we, the saints of God, can share with other people. We can invite our friends, our family, our grandchildren, our children to stop and come and behold the works of the Lord. See how God sent his son to redeem humanity from their sins. We can share that. If we will. But when we look at the American Christmas. For me, as I look at it, it's a lot like dirty river water. You know what I'm talking about? If you were to go and take a glass of jar, uh, a glass jar and fill it with water out of the river after a big rain and hold it up and look at it, what would you see? You would see the sediment that is in the water. You would see the dirt and the debris that all of the rain has washed into the water. And if you were wanting to make that water clear, the only way to get it really clear is to set it down and let it be still. And the unstirred waters will allow the sediment to fall out and bring clarity to the water. When we look at Christmas today, The activity keeps us going. It keeps us moving. It keeps us from being still. And it clouds the meaning and the significance of Christmas for the church of God. And if we are to know what Christmas is about and to experience a true celebration of the birth of our Savior, we must be still and know. That he is God. Now an interesting thing. When I began to look at the scripture. And to study this verse. This word steal. You know I read it in 25 translations of the scripture. And if you read it in 25. Probably 20 of those. Is going to be translated steal. 
But there are some other words that are sometimes used in, di- in various translations of the Scripture. It says desist, stop fighting, be. Those are words used also in this text. But if you study it, the Hebrew word is rafa. And literally what that word means is to let down. It's often used in Scripture about your hands. When a person goes to war, what do they do? They take up what? Arms. When you make peace, what do you do? You lay down arms. When you go to work, what do you do? You pick things up. You pick up the tools of your trade. And you go to work. Second Chronicles, this word is used saying, don't let your arms down, but rather work hard. Don't be lazy. But here in this text today, Psalms 46, it says, let your arms down and know God. One place we're told not to do it. Another place we're told to do it in Scripture. What does it mean? It's very simple. What it means is that when it comes to work and a work ethic, that we as Christians are to take up our arms. We are not to be lazy. We're to work hard and diligently. But when it comes to knowing God, activity, busyness, the works of our hand will never substitute for a personal relationship with Him. We don't know God through activity. The Scripture says, be still, let your arms down. And through this lack of activity, that we can begin to know God. Wow. Talk about a hard word for this generation. Talk about a hard word for Americans. We are a people that is addicted to noise. We are addicted to movement. We are addicted to performance-related activities. And God says, be still. What happens to Americans when they sit still? What happens? Some of them will go to sleep. Some of them just simply can't do it. They begin to twitch. Because silence and inactivity makes them uncomfortable. But it is exactly this that God asks of us. If you want to know God, if you don't want to miss out on the true meaning and the true celebration of Christmas, you need to be still so that you may know God. What does it mean to know God? The word here. In Psalms chapter 46, it literally means to know by experience. It has shades of nuance. It can mean to discriminate between, to distinguish between, to recognize. And I want to tell you that if we don't sit down, stop the activity around us, remove ourselves from it, that we will go through December and not ever celebrate the birth of our Savior. 
Jesus Christ. It'll happen. It happens every year in the church. It means that if we don't sit down and be still, that we don't recognize God's provision in our lives. It means that we cannot distinguish sometimes between the carnal and the fleshly and the spiritual and the godly. We lose the ability to distinguish and to know who God is and what God is about. So what does this have to do with Christmas? Let me just tell you, I, just, I want to take a few minutes and I want to try to make application of this text and of these principles to the Christmas season. What does it mean at Christmas to be still and know that I am God? The first thing that it means is that you've got to be intentional to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. If you are not intentional, Jesus will never gravitate to the center of your Christmas season. If you do nothing with an intentional effort to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, guess what moves into that role? Black Friday, doorbusters, presence. As a matter of fact, if you were to ask, if I were to ask you, what do you remember about last Christmas? How many of you would jump up and say, I remember celebrating Jesus? Or how many of you would say it was what was bought for me? It was the time I spent with my family. Now, I want you to understand me. I'm not saying don't give Christmas presents. I enjoy giving Christmas presents. I enjoy receiving them. I'm not saying don't spend time with family because we're going to spend a lot of time and money to spend time with our family this year. I'm saying that without your intentional efforts, those things will stand in the place of Christ at Christmas. So if you want to make Christ the center of your Christmas, you have to be intentional. The second thing, that I would like to say as a point of application is this. In order to make Christ the center of Christmas, you have to be able to say one word well. It's no. Why no? Because too much activity leads no time to be still. It leaves no time for you to sit with our God and fellowship with Him. No. That word right there can clear your calendar. It can free up time for you to make Christ the center of Christmas. And that's awful hard to say, isn't it? You know why it's hard to say? Because I have things I want to do. I have things Christmas 
makes December feel like Christmas to me. But it's really not about you, is it? It's about God and His plan for the world through Jesus Christ. The simple word, no, will help you clear your calendar to spend time with God. What about how do you make Christmas Christ the center of your Christmas celebration? What are some things that you can do to move Christ into that role? How about spending as much time talking about Jesus as you do talking about what you're going to buy as a gift? How about spending as much time in prayer and reading God's Word as you do in the stores and in the malls? What about teaching your children to memorize the Christmas story? What about sharing Jesus with your friends and your colleagues, your co-workers? Christ moving to the center of the Christmas celebration. A question. If Christ isn't at the center of your Christmas, what legacy are you leaving your children or grandchildren? What are you teaching them is important about Christmas? Not scolding anyone here. I deal with the same issues. But we are the church of the living God. He has chosen us to walk with Him and to be His ambassadors in this world. And if our lives become so clouded with activities that we lose sight of the objective of Christmas, that the central core reason of Christmas, how can we reach the rest of the world for Jesus Christ? I want to share very quickly. There was a time in the prophet Elijah's life that God said, I want you to come and I want you to stand before me. And Elijah was waiting on God. And the scripture says there came a great wind. A great wind. A mighty wind. But God was not in that wind. After the wind. Let me get here real quick. I want to get it right. After the wind that God was not in. The scripture says that there was an earthquake. The earth trembled. But God was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But God was not in the fire. But after the fire, there came a still Small voice 
when God spoke to the prophet. This Christmas, does your life resemble the earthquake? Does your life seem like the winds are swirling around you? Maybe it's just a rough time of year for you and it seems like you're in the fire. I want you to know you're not going to find God there. You're going to find Him when you sit still and you know that I am God. I'd like to pray with you. Dear Heavenly Father, we just pray forgive us. Forgive us for the distractions we allow in our lives that move you from the center of our being and our existence. That remove you from our thoughts. Forgive us, God. And Father, we pray, Father, that your word would enter our hearts and challenge us. Lord, to live for you, to keep you at the center of our Christmas celebration. Father, we pray that you would help us to take the time to sit still and to know you so that we could truly appreciate and celebrate Jesus Christ coming to die for our sins. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.